Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Now, wasn't that exciting? I, I, I want to. We're gonna. We're gonna open. We're gonna start in Proverbs twenty nine. But I want to. I want to point out something to you that is very important that you saw in that video. And to us younger missionaries getting started, that's not a jab on your age, brother. But um, there's something extremely important you saw in that video. You saw people all through that video whose lives have been changed because a man went there and just faithfully plowed away. I venture to say Thailand is not an easy mission field to go to. The Thai people are really sweet. I've been to Thailand. They're unbelievably sweet. I've talked to other people that have ministered in Thailand. They're happy to receive your God and put it on the shelf next to the other gods (laughs) and just kind of join it all together. It's not easy to minister to people like that. But you saw women... You saw young men in ties and shirts looking respectable and, and just, I mean, that, that's, that's a blessing. That's not an easy thing to accomplish. And so, uh, I appreciated that video and really appreciated his attitude and spirit. I also, you know, as I try and formulate kind of a, a philosophical approach to our own, you know, ministry, uh, one thing that bothers me that I see, and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not being overly critical. I'm not trying to point out you know, it, when you see a missionary who's in the United States all the time, you got to take into account you don't know what's going on, so you don't you don't always want to offer your opinion. But when they're in the United States more than they're in their mission field, that's a problem, <laughs> in my estimation, depending on the situation, obviously. And when my wife and I, people ask, you know, how are you going to be there? We don't plan to come back. I tell people we will officially be African American at that point. <laughs> Um, we plan to go and coming back will be rare. And, and so I, I just, I really appreciated hearing that. And I appreciate that attitude and look at the fruit that it's, that it's born. That, that is in my estimation, tremendous. Not that you care about my estimation, but you got it anyways. <laughs> Proverbs 29 verse 18. I hope you have it memorized by now where there is no vision. The people perish but he, that, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. 
So, so far this week, we have seen, we have seen what the world looks like when there is no vision, what your church could look like if there is no vision. And we're seeing that all around the South. That's, that's churches are dying one after another. They have no vision. All they have to look to are, are the glory days. They're not, they're not doing anything now. They're not looking to anything. I, I, we've been trying to help a pastor, a man that I love dearly in a church that I would hate to see pass away. And I, uh, he, he's, he's an older man. He's not, he's not prepared for the future, uh, which is a pastor's responsibility. You're supposed to train up men to come behind you and prepare this church for the future. You don't just wait till it's time for you to leave and hope God brings somebody along. You're responsible to train men up. And I asked him, what is your vision for the future of this church? And he just put his head down. He said, I'm just struggling with coming to terms with the reality. I can't do what I used to do. Well, that church is going to pass away. Or some young, hip, contemporary, skinny jeans wearing, holes in his ear, weirdo is going to come in and take it in the wrong direction. And, um, and so you, you don't want to be without a vision. You don't want a pastor that's not preparing young men to take over and, and carry on that vision. If you read the, the, the book of Joshua, I mentioned it the other night when it said, Moses, the servant of the Lord, has died. And then the Lord turned to Joshua and began giving Joshua direction. Then it says, Joshua, the servant of the Lord, has died. But you know what else it says in the next verse? That's Joshua, uh, I believe it's 24, 29 through about 31, 32, somewhere around in there. It says, and all Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the men that overlived Joshua. Because there was a servant... And because Moses prepared Joshua and the Lord could turn to Joshua, the the word of the Lord carried on. And the people continued to serve the Lord. When there ceased to be servants, when there ceased to be men trained to follow after the man that's currently serving God, then it ends. It's over. It's done. What's the next book of the Bible after Joshua? Where every man did that which is right in his own eyes and there is no king in Israel. You don't want you don't want judges. You want Joshua. <laughs> but that means those of you in this church, young men and and middle aged men and older men and whatever category you find yourself in, find somewhere to serve. Find somewhere to be a servant and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ here. You don't want to be without a vision. But then we saw how desperate the situation is in the world. This world has no vision. <laughs> if you tell them to get a vision, they'll tell you you can't have one. Well, you need to learn how to get, well, you can't learn anything. You can't know anything. <laughs> so the world's in a desperate situation, and we definitely don't want to be a part of that. But tonight, tonight, if you'll turn to John chapter 4, we're going to look at the field. I want to give you a vision of the field. And I hope tonight will be a little more encouraging than the previous two nights. I've been told that apparently I'm uh, sticking daggers in and... and uh, Turning them. Won't mention any names or anything. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, we'll start again tonight with a thesis statement, and it'll prepare you. It'll, 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 again, it'll, it'll, it'll help me stay on track, and it'll prepare your heart and mind for, for what we're going to try to accomplish tonight. And that is, diligence and Christian responsibility to labor in the field will provide opportunity for the sower and the reaper to rejoice together in eternity. Now, what, we're, what I hope to demonstrate to you tonight is the ultimate goal of missions in terms of the relationship between a, a local church 
and a missionary that has come here seeking support that you intend to deputize and send out on your behalf. You're going to see how beautiful that relationship is through this passage tonight. So we're going to start in John chapter 4 and verse 27. We'll, we'll read the passage, then we'll go back through and break it down. Uh, John 4 verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed, prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him all to eat? <laughs> they, 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 they can never quite get it. When he's trying to demonstrate something to them. Verse 34. Jesus saith unto them. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Say not ye. There are yet four months. And then cometh harvest. Behold I say unto you. Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields. For they are white already unto harvest. And he that reapeth. Receiveth wages. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth. And he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap upon that where that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. We thank you again for this opportunity to be here. I sure thank you for the people that are here whose minds and hearts are are stirred by the preaching of your word, who who want to serve you, who want to please you. I sure pray you'd bless them tonight, encourage them, help them, lift them up. But ultimately, Lord, I pray you be honored and glorified. And I pray you'd help this church as it develops a vision on how how to affect this world and world missions. And may you be pleased through it all. Thank you for your goodness. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, Back to verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he, that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? And this is, um, this, this is a common aspect of Baptist theology where you have criticisms of someone, but you don't take it to them. You just go get in your own little click and you talk about it there. <laughs> I think the Lord probably said a few things about that. Now, they wouldn't dare come to Jesus and, and say, you know, why are you talking to her? But they're talking amongst themselves. You know, does he not know we don't talk to those people? Well, you call him Lord and Master. You also have identified him as the Christ. I I would assume that maybe you understand he probably has a clue what he's doing. And of course, they they didn't say anything to him. They just kind of kept it to themselves. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. Now, you know John chapter 4, I, I presume. I'm, I'm, I make that assumption. It's a very popular passage. My guess is it's probably been preached here. You've probably read it over and over. It's, it's a familiar woman. They've been having this conversation. Uh, she has come to understand that he is the Christ. And she dropped her water pot and left. She, she didn't say, let me continue doing what I want to do. I have come to understand who this is. Let me drop everything and go tell somebody. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But verse, 
verse there, uh, 29, or verse 28, the woman, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now, can you see the unbelievable simplicity in that? She didn't go have a pizza party. She didn't put on a dance. She didn't do anything but go and say, you need to come see who I have found. And if we would return back to that simplicity, it would probably help a lot of people get over their fears and their anguish and their inability to be able to witness to people. Because they think I need to be, I need to be theologically sound. I need to have this, this long drawn out doctrine. I need to be able to give a, a theological treatise on the atonement or I can't tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And that's not the case. Has he done anything in your life? Did he save your soul? Can you not go tell somebody what he did? It's that simple. Look, the requirement for someone's sins to be forgiven is if they believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you do that? Then go tell somebody how that came to be. She ran to town and said, come and see. Now, a woman of this character, she runs into town. And, and it says specifically she went to the men. Can you imagine what the preconceived assumptions were about how this conversation was about to go? Here comes that woman into town with that background. I mean, she, like she's been with half my cousins and the other men in the town. She, ha- she has a very bad character. Just put it that way. She runs into town and their expectation is that she's going to start, you know, maybe talking about things that, that don't need to be talked about. And she just wants them to come and see. Completely changed her. In an instant, the moment she realized who the Lord Jesus Christ was, this woman's life, it was altered. Did that happen to you? Because my concern as I travel from church to church around this country is I meet a number of people who are professing Christians who haven't told the first person about Jesus Christ. Right. Or they told one person, or they might, you know, slyly kind of throw him in there over, over football or something that has nothing to do with the Lord. But this woman, as soon as she found out who Jesus was, ran to town and told people about Jesus Christ. And all she said, how much Bible does she know at this point? How sound was she in her doc? What if somebody said, well, what about baptism? I don't know what baptism is, but you need to come see who this is. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And so we, we kind of use it as a crutch and we kind of use it as a, well, I can't because, yes, you can. That's right. Philip, the Lord comes to Philip in John chapter 1 and says, come with me. Philip says, okay. What's the next, next thing he did? He went and found Nathaniel. We have found him. You need to come and see. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said, come and see. <laughs> come and see. I can't, I'm not going to go, you know, and so Philip didn't say, well, let me, tell, let me take you back to the Old Testament prophecies and show you how Jesus would come out of Nazareth. And, and he didn't expound unto him about who Jesus was. He says, you need to just come and see. And if you would keep it that simple, you don't have to answer everybody's questions. It would be good for you to have an answer for the hope that is within you. And you should study to show yourself approved unto God so that you can be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Right. That'd all be good. That's good. But if you're using that as an excuse not to witness, well, you're going to have to come help this woman out. And you're going to have to go help Philip out because they made some big mistakes. They went and tried to tell people about Jesus when all they, know, all they knew was that you need to come find who I have found. 
So, you just, we make it more difficult than it, you know, my, my pastor said, I'm not for easy believism, but I was when I got saved. So if some of you had to lead yourselves to the Lord, you'd never get saved because you think you need to create this big, this big, long, drawn out religious process. And that's not how it is. Christ died for your sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. And if you don't put your faith and trust in that, you're going to go to hell. If you do, he'll save your soul. He'll keep your soul and he'll take you to be with himself when he's ready to come and get you. And so we want to keep it that simple. We want to keep it that easy. Amen. We're, not, we're not worried about getting caught up in all these other things, all these other requirements that people put upon, put upon you. Look at verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him. So in verse 31, you have this. This used to always boggle my mind. And, and I hope tonight I can do this some justice and help you to understand it from the perspective I believe the Lord has shown it to me. And I think you'll get a real blessing out of it. We're in this narrative where, where the Lord is dealing with this woman at the well. And then there's this sudden shift. She drops her water pot. She runs into town. She's telling people, come and see. And the, and the Bible literally says, in the meanwhile. So while she's running to town, however far away that is, and she's, she's drumming up all this excitement about Jesus... Not Donald Trump, not Florida Gators, not the Bulldogs, not Ole Miss, not any of that stuff. She's running to town and telling people, Jesus is here. The Christ is here. Messiah, which is called Christ. That guy. He's here. You need to come and see. So in the meanwhile, while that's happening, verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him ought to eat? Now you see their confusion. You see, I'm glad I get to look at it from this perspective. Because I don't want to make the assumption, well, if I was there. But it is funny. The Lord repeatedly taught them things and told them things from a spiritual perspective. Now that's the key to this shift in the narrative. So this woman has left. And all of a sudden we're talking about food and the Lord eating. And mind you, this is the Lord Jesus Christ who, who, is, who is weary from his journey, but he's not weary in well-doing. And that's a big distinction that we need to make in our Christian lives. I'm tired. What does that mean? <laughs> the Lord never got tired? I thirst. Would you give me some water? Well, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. I just want some water. <laughs> he never got the water, so far as we know. The disciples show up. Master, here is meat. Eat. As far as we know, he never ate. He said, I have something that is sustaining me that you're not aware of. I have, I have availed myself to something that is so fulfilling. I don't need the water and I don't need the food. And I'm going to tell you how you can have that. I'm going to make that available to you right now. And so he says to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they said, who, who brought him some fish? <laughs> and that's not, that's, not, that's not the key. That's not the point. So look at verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, my meat. All right, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. 
The Lord thrives off doing the will of his father. His father sent him into the world knowing full well what he was going to do on that cross. And he knew full well all that he wanted him to accomplish from, from his birth all the way till, up until that cross. And the Lord said, my father sent me. He told me what to do. And I absolutely love doing it. To the, to the extent that I will forego meat, I have esteemed thy word more than my necessary meat. I don't care if I don't get to eat. I don't care if I don't get a drink of water. I don't care if I'm so tired, I collapse. I am going to do the will of my father. And so he sets that in front of them here. And Christians all over the world operate in a, in a state of expectations that they, they want a vision, they want to do the will of God, they want to understand God's will for their life. They, they are, oftentimes we meet people that are desperate to know what God wants them to do. They can't figure it out. And the hard part to that is, if they don't have that vision, what have they not been doing? They've been listening to this preacher, and they've been asking that person, and they've been talking to these people, and I talked to my friends, and I saw these missionaries who came in, and I asked for their story, and they, and they gave me their story, but they have not been consulting the Word of God. That's where the vision comes from. The Lord said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I thrive off doing the will of my Father. He sent me. He told me what to do. That means I have the Word of God. Jesus Christ said, I was given God's Word. Well, isn't He God? Yes, but He was given very clear instruction on what to do. And when He came to earth, Philippians 2 says He humbled Himself and He did those things. But He didn't just say, well, I'm God. I think I can just kind of make it up as I go. No, my father said, do this, I'm doing that. My father said to live this way, I'm living like that. My father said to allow this to happen to me, then I'm, we're just, we're going to go to that cross and I'm going to let those men nail me to that cross. So if you want a vision, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, if you want to know what, what he's doing or what he wants you to do, you've got to, you've heard two missionaries this week, both of which told you they were, they were, Involved to some extent in church, though they weren't 100% sure where God wanted them to go and what he wanted them to do. They were continually searching and looking, looking at maps and working in his church and doing whatever it took to get closer and closer and closer to whatever the Lord wanted them to do. They did not sit at home and say, well, if the Lord lets me know what he wants me to do, I'll go, I'll go do it. They got busy serving God and allowed God to guide them along the way. You know, do you know how hard it is to steer a parked car? It's not going to go very far. If you get that thing moving, and you might be able to direct his path. But as long as you're going to sit in the parking lot and wonder why you're not going anywhere, put it in drive. Go. But don't just go where you want. Adrian Rogers used to say, if you want to know God's will for your life, for long term, just do God's will for the next 15 minutes. Well, what do I do after that 15 minutes? Do it for another 15 minutes. <laughs> and then five years down the road, you wake up in a jungle in Thailand and don't even know how you got there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You, 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 got to, you, knew, you found God's will every 15 minutes at a time. And if that's what it takes for you, then do that. If you can't see this thing long term, then just, just focus on what am I going to do the next 15 minutes? Well, God like me to pray. I'll pray. Well, what am I going to do when that 15 minutes is over? The Lord wants me to tell somebody about Jesus. I'll just go tell somebody about Jesus. And just 15 minutes at a time, let your life be given over to God. The Lord has meat to eat that you know not of. 
Now, look at verse 35. Say not ye. Okay, now, if you, you continue to follow this progression. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, you, say not ye, there are yet four months. Stop sitting around saying, I would do God's will, but I need a few, I need a little more time. I just need a little bit more time. I just need a little bit more time. Four more months. Just a few years down the road. I'm thinking about it. I'm preparing. Let me pay my house off first. Let me pay my car off first. Let me make this, let me fix this temporal aspect of my life. Then maybe down the road I'll go serve God. That's putting the cart before the horse. It would be better if you, you know, he that, he that, you know, soldiers don't get entangled in the, war, in, in the, in the affairs of this world. It'd be better if you didn't entangle yourself in the first place. That'd make you far more available to God. But once you get entangled, you need to get out of it, but don't let it be an excuse for why you're not participating in helping and serving God. Some people say, I don't have the money to give to God. My pastor always says, it looks like you can't afford not to give to God. Yeah. So, back to verse 35. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about meat to eat, right? And the Lord says, are you, are you hungry? Do you desire to do God's will? Do you have a thirst to serve God? If you just lift up your eyes and look on the fields, there's all the meat, the spiritual meat and the spiritual water you could, you could make available to you, it's there in abundance if you would just lift up your eyes. And instead, people sit around and they look down and they're wondering, well, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Well, you could start by lifting up your eyes and looking on the fields. That's a very practical place that you could, that you could avail yourself to. And one great way to do that is to have missionaries show up. <laughs> And show you what they've been doing in a third world country somewhere that you may never see. It allows you to see the fields. It allows you to see what's going on. Now the Lord says, if, if it is your desire to have this spiritual meat that I have, just it's, it's right there in front of you. It's completely available to you. Now, I don't like that. And we don't like that. Because we want this... This special spiritual answer. One of the things that bothers me about pastors and missionaries, they stand in pulpits at times, and they want to tell you how they came to be there. They want to tell you how, and and this is not a criticism of any of these guys. I, I don't think either one of them did this. But they want to tell you how they came to be where they are. And they give you, they, they use this cunningly devised fable about how God moved heaven and earth and rode him in the, in the sky with lightning that he should go to Guatemala and he should do this and he should do that. And so then people in the church who want to serve God, who have a desire to serve God, they sit there and they don't move off that pew because they haven't had this special lightning strike across the sky. The Bible is very practical. I just told you, both these guys said, I got busy seeking how I can serve God. And the more they went after that, the more God showed them. And the more God showed them. And the more God showed them. And one ended up in Thailand, and the other one's on his way to Ireland. 
What is your desire? To, to watch the next football game? I mean, what, what, what is it you want with your life? Especially in light of the word of God, especially in light of what Jesus Christ did for you. What do you want to do with your life? At whatever point you're at right now, what, what is it you desire? People say, oh, I want to do what God wants me to do. Well, are you doing that? Just on a, on a base level, we talked about the other night how these pews need to be cleaned and the floors need to be cleaned and the, the toilets need to be scrubbed and trash needs to be taken out. Just basic things that need to be done around the church. You could do that. So, you know, the, the, you have front doors that are glass. You could make a full-time job for yourself standing at that door and cleaning it. Because as soon as you clean it, somebody's going to come by after they've been picking their nose and rub their finger all over the glass and you have to clean it again. I, I apologize. In the world of COVID, you probably shouldn't say that. People act like colds don't exist anymore. You either have COVID or you have nothing. You need to find a place, a way to begin serving God, to avail yourself to this meat that is 100% available to you. And the reason we don't like this, and the reason I don't like this at times, I I love the simplicity of it, but that's the problem. (laughs) Well, I want to do what God wants me to do. Well, there's a lot of things you you could get started. Well, that's not what I meant. I mean, I was hoping the pastor would kind of give me a place in the pulpit, and I thought he would give me, you know, uh, this elevated position, and I thought I could maybe get, you know, earn a few dollars doing it. If you want to preach, there's a street corner... There are lots of street corners all over this city. You could preach to your heart's content. There are places, I could take you to downtown Memphis. There are, there are a number of places where many people gather. You could preach to your heart's content. Are you looking for a position? Are you looking for personal grandeur? Are you looking for that meat that the Lord is talking about? Are you looking to serve Jesus Christ? Or are you just, you just looking for some personal glory? There's a big difference between the two. The Lord said, I have meat to eat. What, what glory does he get sitting at a well talking to a woman that's had five husbands and that nobody has any respect for, thirsty and hungry and tired after traveling through the desert for who knows how long? But he did it. Jesus Christ did that. God did that for one little woman that most people didn't care anything about. Is there anybody in your life that needs you to care for them that way? So that meat is available. It's 100% available to anybody that wants it. Look at verse 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wrong you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. And that's an incredible statement. The problem with it is it makes it even worse. <laughs> so the Lord's not, not only saying if you would lift up your eyes, you'd see fields white on the harvest. All the spiritual meat that you say you want is, is, is available to you in abundance. But not only so, I sent men ahead of you to prepare that field. <laughs> you can have as much of it as you want. They labored so it would be available to you. You just got to go reap it. it. But isn't that like salvation? 
You could have your sins forgiven, your soul saved, and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. No. Or not. <laughs> I guess you go to hell. I don't want it. I, I feel, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Roman Catholic. I feel that I, I need to count my beads, and I need to go to Mass, and I need to, uh, there's a religious checklist that I need to partake of. But the Lord said, it is finished on the cross. Right. You could freely have salvation. No, no, I, I, you know, I, there's some works of righteousness that I need to do. Okay? So then you become a Christian. You trust in the Lord. I just want to do what God wants me to do. Well, there's a fill out there full of, full of spiritual meat. Well, I don't want to eat from there. I don't want to do that. You know what? You know what? Some of the things we've seen your pastor and his wife do this week? As, as we left that gym down there, they were scrubbing dishes, taking out trash, picking up food. Do any of you want to come do that? <laughs> being the pastor, being in this spiritual, this spiritual position of leadership, it, 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 it means that you're the head servant. That's all it means. You're supposed to lead the way in showing people how to serve others. You don't stand and direct. I mean, it comes with some leadership and it comes with, with the need for him to direct people and to make sure that things are done. But ultimately, he and his wife are down there serving food and cleaning dishes. That's what you want in a pastor. Not one with the pinky ring on expecting you to come kiss the ring when you walk by and, and, and the man of God is going to direct your life and tell you what to do and how to do it. That's the last thing you want. If you were in that kind of church, you should run. <laughs> you're not going to get spiritual meat. You're going to get eaten. <laughs> so the Lord says, let, let, let's read it again, because this, this, is, this is the meat. This is the heart of this passage. Verse 36, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. Now let's, let's, let's look at this in the context of missions together. Goodman Road Baptist Church is having a missions conference, right? And the hope is we're, we're going to get an update from a missionary that we already, that we already support, which you got. And we're going to take a look at a new missionary that, that, Lord willing, we'd like to support. What you got. But I, but I want you to think about this in this context. What you have is an opportunity to enter into their labor. The Lord is sending them across the world to the uttermost parts of the earth where you're not going to go or you could go if you'd give up your life and go there and sell everything that you have and do what missionaries do. But since you're not, since you're here, you have an opportunity to invest in their ministry so that as they go over and they win souls to Christ and you see that discipleship program that they went through and that Bible Institute that they went through and the missions trip that they went on and all the things that took place that he was able to do and accomplish because you decided it was worth investing in his ministry. One day you get to sit together around the foot of the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ and you get to talk about how, well, this person sowed, and this person reaped, and this person plowed, and this person watered. But the Lord gave the increase, and now we can sit here together and rejoice because we entered into each other's labors. 
Or you can sit out. You can be that guy sitting there saying, man, I wish I would have participated. I wish I would have been a part of it all. I had the chance. I had the opportunity. But I decided, I decided it wasn't worth my investment. And now I sit before the throne and all these people are rejoicing because they helped that person to come to Christ and they helped that person put their marriage back together and that guy doesn't drink and do drugs anymore and all these wonderful things that took place on earth as the body of Christ labored together, I just sat and did nothing. I didn't pay any attention. All I did was complain. They're asking for money. (laughs) If that man didn't have the money, he wouldn't have been able to buy the, the materials, he wouldn't have been able to go on those trips. He wouldn't have been able to, there's a lot of things that you could go win souls to Christ without money. If you're willing to die at 30 and, you know, <laughs> have nothing, let your family fall apart. When you read, you know, it, it's, it's fanciful to read old missionary stories, but you don't want to live like that if you don't have to. You don't want to approach missions that way if you don't have to. It sounds spiritual until you go through two wives. Until you bury two or three children. Because you didn't have the money to live. and Because money became a factor. And you couldn't keep what you needed so that you could effectively minister. If you invest a lot of money in a good missionary, it will be a very good investment. You invest a lot of money in a bad missionary, that's just a chance you take sometimes. And it's a shame. And the Lord will work all that out when the time comes. I think you got a couple of good missionaries here tonight, and you have an opportunity to reap with them and to sow with them, though you'll never step foot on that field. That's incredible to me. That's a wonderful opportunity. And I hope you'll consider that as, as, as the big picture. I hope you'll consider that as the direction. But let me give you, let me give you an example of how this works. I'm going to show, in the same passage, the Lord shows us how all of this works together. So to recap where we are and what we've talked about and what we've done, I want you to have a vision of the field tonight. Now, we saw the world, and we know that, that the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew, the field is the world, but it's a different perspective. Because when he said the field is the world, he was talking about sowing. Sowing the good seed. Going into the world, he he said, I don't care what soil you put it on, I just want you to sow. If it's bad ground, good ground, I I don't care. I don't want you to sit and, 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 and determine, is this a good place to sow the seed? Just throw it out there. Get the gospel out. My word will not return unto me void. I don't need you to calculate whether it would be effective or not. I need you to go preach the gospel. So the Lord, in terms of looking at this world, when he says it's the field... That, that's the context, right? Last night we got a vision of the world and how desperate it is and how bad it is and you don't want to be a part of it. But we still got to go into the world and preach the gospel that's right. to every creature. Good, seed, good ground, bad ground. It doesn't matter. Thorny ground. Every creature. So then we come back to John chapter 4 and the Lord's telling his disciples, man, something wonderful just happened. Something wonderful just happened. So good that I don't even care about the food you just brought. I was thirsty. I haven't had any water. I don't care. I just had an opportunity to please my Father in heaven, and I'm ecstatic about it. And you could have the same thing if you just lift up your eyes and look on the field. You could do the same thing if you would just 
take advantage of what's right in front of you. And then again, he made it worse. I sent people ahead of you to prepare those fields. And you get to enter into their labors. And together as you reap, you, you, you reap wages and rewards unto life everlasting. Now let me give you a picture or an illustration of how it works. Look, at, look again at verse 38. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're, you are entered in, ye are entered into their labors. Okay, so you, you've got that in your mind, right? Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh that now is when the true worshiper shall worship, uh, shall worship, shall wor- uh, excuse me, yeah, verse 20, 20, yeah, verse 23, that's where we want. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Alright, so he's telling this woman, this woman, she does what religious people do. The Lord's trying to tell her, the Lord's trying to tell her about himself, and she keeps referring to her religion. Her religion. But, but I, want you, I want you to think about that in this context. That's very important. It wasn't just any religion. Look at verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. Question. Who told her that? How did she know that? That means somebody went to this woman who had a terrible reputation for running through men, and they didn't care about the physical opportunities with this woman. They cared about her spiritual condition. And somebody went to her and ministered to her and told her that one day the Messiah was coming and that she needed to be ready. Continue reading. The woman saith unto him, I know, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Look at verse 28. The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the man, come and see. The Lord Jesus Christ shows up and he's having this conversation with this woman. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming. I know he's coming. And he said, it's me. And she believed him. She trusted him. Because somebody had gone to this woman and plowed some ground, and somebody had gone to this woman and sowed the seed, and somebody had gone to this woman and watered, somebody invested spiritually in this woman and told her that the Messiah was going to come someday. And when he stood in front of her, her heart was ready and prepared to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a very good chance if you lead somebody to the Lord, now the, the further away from fields that that have had the gospel longer and, 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 you know, so if we take America as an example, if you lead somebody to the Lord in America, there's a good chance 10 people came before you and told them about Jesus Christ. Or they drove down the street and saw a billboard, said Jesus is coming. Or they, or they went to an event and somebody was out there passing out tracks. Or they drove past Bill Street and somebody, some, some radical standing out there with a sign that says Jesus saves. And, and continually, as they're driving around, they're being, if God's people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and if they've entered into this field 
to reap or to plant or to sow or to, or to plow or whatever it is that needs to be done, eventually something's going to happen. The Lord's working in that person's heart. They're going to come across the right person at the right time and they're going to be ready. They're going to trust in Jesus Christ. And then you and that person and the 10 other people that witnessed to them ahead of you and the person that put up the billboard and the person that was holding the street sign and the person that gave them a tract, you're all going to sit together in heaven one day and just say, remember that person we won to the Lord? Remember how he helped us to, to win this one soul to Christ? And you get to rejoice together because another soul is sitting with you in heaven because you just did one little part. That's all missions is. That, that's the big picture of missions. As simple as I can make it. There is the individual responsibility of your participation. There is the part of this where you have to jump in and you have to get busy serving the Lord. You got to tell your family that you have people in your family I will never meet. People in this church will never run into. It is solely dependent upon you to tell those people about Jesus Christ. You have people that you work with that nobody in this room will ever come into contact with. It is solely dependent upon you to tell those people about Jesus Christ. Okay? That's Jerusalem. That's Judea. You could even get real bold and go to Samaria. Our church, we had a, we had a, a program called, or I guess you could call it a program. It's called Operation Samaria. We went street preaching in every single city in the entire state of Florida for at least one hour. We couldn't get a single other church to help us. So it took about three or four years. We went to every single city so that we could make sure that at least one time the gospel was preached in our Samaria. But when you get to Samaria and you get to the othermost parts of the earth, you really start getting beyond your individual means. So you need to come together collectively. And you need to take some personal responsibility at church to say, we are going to make sure that this church is supporting missionaries so that they can come back in 20 years or six years or whatever the case may be and put up a slideshow or a video and show you all the souls that were won to Christ because I cared enough to help. And that should motivate you and stimulate you to want to give more. And then the next year, guess what? You're going to be asked to give more. And then the next year, you're going to be asked to give more. And I know that you don't want to hear that, but until the, until, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back into the air and says, come up hither, that's where we are. Now, that, that, sounds, that sounds negative. That sounds like a, a negative approach to it. But here's the positive. Here's the positive aspect. God wants to use you to do that. God desires to, for you to give yourself over to that so that he can use you to affect that end. But if you don't participate, this is, this is going to be hard for Baptists to hear. If you don't participate, God can't do it. Now, Brother Phil opened up tonight, and, and if you want to come, we can, we can wrap it up here. That, that's the bulk of the message. I think you get it. I hope you see it. And I hope it, hope it encourages you. But Brother Phil opened up tonight by saying that there are some people that are not here that could be here. And that, that makes it hard on everyone who is here. Now, this is the way I, I tend to illustrate that reality. 
The Bible says that the body of Christ, the church, is a building fitly framed together. How would you like it if we knocked that entire wall out while everybody's sitting here tonight? Would anybody be okay with that? No? You'd be a little concerned? That's what it's like when you're not here. Now somebody else has to go hold that wall up. Somebody else has to, has to take that place. Somebody else has to pick up that mantle. Somebody has to pick up that expense. Somebody has to pick up that job. You're far more valuable and important here than you think you are. And when you don't recognize your value here as a part of the body of Christ, that, that building that is fitly framed together, you just weaken the structure. And you put, you put other people, you, you overstress other people. Because you know what happens when you, when you have a missions conference? And you know what happens when you preach these types of sermons? The people who are already giving will come to the altar and beg God to help them give more. And the people who already labor here will, will be convicted and come to the altar and beg God to help them do more. And the people who don't do as much just kind of say, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that sermon. <laughs> they sure needed that. So you have an opportunity this week. You have an opportunity to enter into the labors of two families who are serving God on a foreign mission field so that someday we can glorify the Lord Jesus Christ together at the foot of his throne and thank him for giving the increase of our labors. I hope you'll take that serious. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.